Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Are you one of the 5.8 million people who are invisible to the financial system? And what does it mean if you are? Child benefits, why thousands of high earners are getting a refund from HMRC. And why Lord Lee, FT Money's infamous buy and hold investor, is selling some of his shares. Welcome to the FT Money Show, the FT's weekly podcast on personal finance and investing. I'm Lucy Warwick-Ching, the FT Money's digital editor, and I'll be giving you this week's money news. Millions of people in Britain are virtually invisible to the financial system because there's not enough information available about their financial track record. New research from Experian out today reveals the extent to which these invisibles, also known in the industry as thin files or no files, can find themselves excluded from mainstream finance or charged a much higher rate for borrowing. James Jones, Head of Consumer Affairs at Experian, is with us in the studio to talk us through the data. But first, I want to play a clip from Jack Monroe, the British food writer, journalist and campaigner who rose to fame with her blog, A Girl Called Jack. Due to a lack of information on her file, she found herself unable to borrow even £50 and her only options were high interest lenders or pawning her goods for cash. Because I had such a thin credit file, there was no history of me borrowing money or repaying it. Um, I was unable to access even the simplest of borrowing. Is Jack's experience typical of the problems experienced by these so-called invisibles? It is. We've revealed this week that, as you said, 5.8 million people are virtually invisible to the financial system. Um, This means that they've got little or no financial track record on which to be assessed. And we all know that having a decent credit rating is so important these days. It gives you access to a range of uh, products and services and also helps you get the best deal. So, you know, pay um, pay less. Um, so, of course, anyone um, with a limited uh, or non-existent financial history is, is really going to struggle. And so tell me a bit about why you carried out the research. Well, we're passionate about tackling financial exclusion And this can be a factor. So, as I said, if you have little or no credit history, then it can be very difficult to access affordable credit. Uh, It can really limit your choice. So we want to help people uh, be aware of the situation, be aware of things they might be able to do um, to address the problem and also raise the issue, I think, to government and policymakers, because there may be other things um, that we can do to try and help. And what section of society is affected? Is it really just Britain's poorest? It actually affects quite a wide range of people. I mean, certainly people on lower incomes um, in rented accommodation who, you know, typically pay for things by cash can find themselves off the uh, the credit rating radar 
if you like. But there are other people as well, older people maybe who've paid off the mortgage and, and don't have a need for credit, young people who maybe um, haven't had the opportunity to build up much of a credit history yet. And also people moving to or back to the UK from overseas, uh, maybe to, to live, work or study, again, um, haven't had much opportunity to build up that all important financial track record. And so what can people do about this? I think one of the key things is, is raising awareness, which is why we're making this announcement this week. And there are things people can do. It's, it's quick and easy these days to check your credit report and your credit score. These are free now. Uh, and if you do that, you might spot if you you know fit into this invisibles category. And then you can get advice from our website on the things you might be able to do to actually start to strengthen your financial track record, such as getting regular household bills in your name and paying them monthly by direct debit, um, things like monthly phone contracts rather than pay as you go. Uh, And also, if you're uh, a tenant, then we're working hard to help make rent count. And should the industry be doing something about this? Sounds like you're doing something already, but is there you know, a need for something else to be being done? Well, I think awareness is absolutely vital. So I think as an industry, we need to join together to help make sure people are aware that this this can be a problem. And also, it, it is something that, you know, potentially can be fixed. So there are things, as we discussed, that people can do themselves. But I think as, a, as an industry, we need to make sure that uh, the credit rating system, you know, remains fit for purpose and, and actually takes account of uh, changing demographics, changing consumer behaviour. So, you know, we're, we're very much aware of generation rent and the number of tenants is is forecast to you know increase significantly in the next 10 20 years so i mean that's one of the reasons why we're working hard to bring rank payments into into people's credit reports to try to give everyone the opportunity to build that all important track record thanks very much there to james jones from experian if you want to learn more about britain's invisibles i've written a feature explaining in more detail which you can read online at ft.com forward slash money child benefit is the thorn in most high earners sides Since 2013, couples where one partner earns more than £60,000, the couple can still claim it, worth about £1,000 per child. But they have to pay it all back in the form of extra income tax. So in effect, the benefit is cancelled out. But if that wasn't complicated enough, those earning above £50,000 and in receipt of the child benefit are charged tax in increments up to £60,000. These parents have to complete a tax return to pay back the tax they owe or opt out of receiving the benefit altogether. But unsurprisingly, given how complicated it is, many parents got it wrong and were fined. But the good news is that HMRC is now paying back those fines. Joining us now to explain how HMRC got into this muddle is Becky O'Connor in her new role as Personal Finance Specialist at Royal London. Becky, thanks for coming in. Can you enlighten us? Why are HMRC paying back these fines? It's not like them to give money back to taxpayers, so why now? You're quite right. It's very unlike them. Uh, Normally they apply the ignorance is no defence rule as a blanket thing. However, in this case, it was so complicated, they've seen fit to backtrack, um, but only in very specific cases. So... In those cases where someone received child benefit before 2013, so before this new charge, the high income child benefit charge was introduced, and then the income of one earner rose to more than 50,000 after that charge was introduced, the revenue sees that there is a chance that those individuals in particular missed all the communications, missed all the marketing, would have had no idea that 
receiving child benefit that they already had was going to incur this new charge. The, importantly, the fines, the, the refund of the fines won't apply if you applied for child benefit after that date because the revenue thinks that when you signed up, you should probably have seen that little bit about 50,000 plus being eligible for this charge. Well, so it gets even more complicated. Yes. So how much should people hope to get? Well, this is the less exciting bit. So the revenue is actually refunding the failure to notify penalty fines that it issued between 2013 and 2016. These were £100 each. That is what most people would have had. So if, if, you, were, if you were charged with a penalty fine for three years, the most you will get is £300. So not a lot, but better than nothing. Better than nothing. And what has HMRC said about it? It said, to quote, it's listening to customers and stakeholders and reviewing our approach to high income child benefit charge to ensure we're treating everyone fairly. Customers don't need to ask for a penalty refund or contact HMRC. We'll issue the refund. The refunds, excuse me, were due over the next six months. That was my other question. I was going to say, how do people get their money back? So they just wait. You basically. just wait. So it, the revenue, in its wisdom, will have identified you if you are eligible for the refund. So you don't need to do anything. If you think after six months that you should have had a refund and the revenue's missed you, it's possible, then do get in touch directly. Okay, and is there anything else that higher earning parents should be aware of in relation to to the child benefits? Yes, absolutely. So you may think that if you earn over 50,000, certainly over 60,000, why bother with claiming the child benefit at all? Um, And the, the reason to at least engage with it and fill out the form is that it is the way the revenue identifies who might be eligible for national insurance credits. So if national insurance credits are there to ensure that if somebody who isn't working uh, wants a state pension, they can, they can still get one. These credits, a national insurance credit for one year, fills in the gap in a working life. So if there's a stay-at-home parent and there's a one earner earning over 60000 fill out the form, just tick the box that says we don't want to claim child benefit, we're just filling out the form, and that will ensure that that stay-at-home parent still receives the national insurance credits and and they don't then miss out on thousands of pounds in retirement. That's incredibly useful to know. Thanks very much. That was Becky O'Connor of Royal London, and you could read more about this online at ft.com forward slash money. Finally, are you wary of buying and selling stocks too often? Do you think investing in a good stock and patiently holding it through periods of uncertainty and volatility is the route to investment success? If the answer is yes, then you're not alone. FT Money's columnist John Lee, Lord Lee, has written for many years for the FT about his winning buy and hold strategy. But his latest column shows him taking a slightly different stance. Lord Lee is here to tell us what he's been doing. Welcome. It's great to have you on the show. You have a loyal following among FT readers. Tell us why you've been selling your stocks. Thank you. Hello. Well, let me say right at the outset, I've not changed my fundamental strategy. Uh, But nevertheless, a combination of uh, family circumstances, endeavouring or the need to help daughters with uh, Mm -hmm. uh, housing upgrades, uh, really necessitated uh, bringing out some money from my portfolio. And also, I mean, we are we are obviously entering a, a, or in a period of considerable volatility. This was really um, pre-budget uh, when I made a few sales. Um, we obviously have got the uncertainty of uh, Brexit. 
you know the 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 there's a possibility of um, uh, rises in, in interest rates. Uh, you've got your China U.S. trade situation, so it, it is um, a tricky period. And when you're sitting on some very substantial profits, as uh, I've been fortunate to do, and some of the yields uh, have drifted down to very very low figures, which aren't defensive in any sense. And you're conscious also that because people also have made big profits, uh, it only needs, particularly with some of the small cap stocks, a little selling to bring down a price quite significantly. The temptation, I think, to uh, create a little liquidity, a little bit of a reserve, probably makes sense. Mm -hmm. And and what have you been selling? What stocks? Well, I sold um, uh, my James Fisher uh, shipping company, which I bought, uh, I think, in around 2000. I paid I think I think I'm right in saying about seventy seventy eight p for those shares, and at that stage it was just a small fleet of um, of coastal tankers operating from Barrow and Furness. And uh, over the years, it's developed, of course, into a into a major, very successful marine services business with a big uh, underwater technological aspect to it. And so I was able to sell the shares. I think I'm right in saying at about eighteen pounds. Wow. Uh, so, but it, but you know that is uh, having held them for eighteen years. So one's got to put that in in perspective. Uh, and similarly, I sold a, a tranche, another tranche of Gucci and Housego, which is a, a, an electro optical laser firm that I also bought in the early two thousands uh, for just over a pound. Uh, and I think I was selling those for. I think getting on for seventeen pounds. Mm-hmm. So um, you know both companies that that I've held over the years, they they've um, you know had their ups and downs. We've been through periods of considerable volatility uh, and uncertainty, but you know by and large, uh, I'm a strong believer in staying with companies, particularly if you if you believe you're in a good company, and, and not chopping and changing. And chopping and changing, in my view, is the biggest mistake that most private investors make. Because of, of the charges as well. Be- well, beca- because of the charges. Uh, and, of course, one of the problems in, in this day and age is, is because uh, one can obtain prices so uh, instantaneously with the way technology works now and the development of the internet and, and apps and, uh, and and similar, the temptation to take a profit, I think, is actually greater than it was historically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I believe you, you should resist. So my, my belief is, and there is this old American adage, quote, uh, you know, you make your money by sitting on your ass. You get into something good mm-hmm. and stay with it. Uh, and certainly that philosophy has paid off for me. And so have you been buying anything uh, well, uh, the one or two that I've added to very recently, I, I added to uh, uh, to Dejan, um, which is um, I described as a slightly quirky uh, property company, very conservative, very low level of borrowings, big holdings of residential property in London, lots of uh, blocks of flats in North London, uh, and valuable commercial property, both in this country and the US. And there is a huge discount uh, here on uh, as between share price and asset value. The asset value last declared was about £111 a share, and the shares are just less than £60. There's a massive uh, discount. So I I think they're a very solid value uh, for the long term. Uh, And then I also added to uh, a company called Titan, who are in ventilation products, with a very profitable joint venture uh, in South Korea that I think is the market leader there. Uh, And that's a 
conservative, managed business, cash-rich, moving the dividend forward, profits are moving forward nicely, and modestly rated. So I just uh, topped up a little there. But I tend to prefer to add to existing holdings and build them up to of significant size um, rather than to broad or larger portfolio. And finally, I know our listeners will want me to ask this question. So going forward, will you still be a buy and hold investor or will you change your uh, no, absolutely no intention of, of changing. I think I'm a little too old to uh, to change. It's a policy that served me well. Uh, and when you look today, I was, I was reading in the paper that ASOS, for example, which came out at, uh, you could you could invest in 2001 when they went public on AIM at 20p, and the shares today are over £50. Pounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just shows what can be done if you get into the right stock and hold it. Good advice. That was Lord Lee. You can read his column if you go to the personal finance section on ft.com. And before we go, we want to know who you trust to help you manage your money. And we're asking readers to complete a short anonymous online survey. Go to www.ft.com forward slash nice advice and you'll be entered into a prize draw to win a subscription to ft.com. The Money Show will be back next Thursday at 6am. Goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.